Hey, I, I want to welcome you this morning. If you're wondering who I am, or man, you look way too young to be the pastor of this church. It's okay, I'm not. Um, I, my name is Nathan Schrainer, and I'm the worship pastor here. And, um, yep, thank you, thank you. Um, pastor Monty and Kelly, our senior pastors, are in Miami. And um, they, had a, they had a conference this weekend, or this week actually, that was put on by the Assemblies of God for the churches over a thousand. And uh, John Maxwell was there. So, uh, yeah, I know. Oh, poor them. Miami and John Maxwell, right? It's tough. And uh, I'm sure, knowing Pastor Monty and Kelly, I'm sure that they're watching this morning. And so uh, let's give our pastors a hand. Don't you love Pastor Monty and Pastor Kelly? Yes. We love you. Enjoy some rest now after your conference. And... Um, so I am grateful this morning to be here. I want to thank Pastor Monty and Kelly. Guys, we have some of the best pastors in the world. Um, they are incredible people. I have worked closely with them for almost seven years now, and I can tell you that they are as good as they come. And so I want to honor them. You guys are tremendous leaders. We love you so, so, so much. And I am grateful to stand behind his pulpit this morning and to, uh, to share the word of God. I was actually going to try to use a nice, hip, trendy table. Uh, but somebody stole it, so the pulpit will work. <laughs> God bless you this morning. Hey, we're in a series called Launch, um, and it's been amazing. We've started off talking about launching into greater things in your life. We Last week, Pastor Monty and Kelly talked about launching into better relationships and marriages. And uh, this week, I want to talk about sort of after the launch. How many know that, um, that after the launch, sometimes you can tend to run into some problems? And uh, so the title of my message this morning is, Houston, We Have a Problem. And um, <laughs> we, all, we all know the soundbite of that from a popular movie, Houston, We Have a Problem. And uh, I just want to talk to you just a little bit this morning about that. If you would turn in your Bibles to Psalms ch chapter 105. Can you imagine? Psalms 105. That's a lot of books in one book of the Bible. <laughs> Verse number 17, and uh, while you're turning there, I just Googled, I just pulled up a simple Google search that says, I typed in NASA problems, or something like that, that sounds weird now, but here's, here's just some of the top things that come up. Last minute, technical problems, delays launch, Soyuz rocket launch, failure forces emergency landing, NASA's Orion launch faces further delays as new problems emerge, space shuttle Challenger disaster after rocket failure. NASA delays ICON launch due to booster problem, and on and on and on. And uh, I'd submit to you this morning that there's probably very few NASA launches that have gone without any problems. Whether it's on the ground before launch, whether it's in the sky once they launch, whether it's once they land on wherever they're headed, whether it, whatever it is, there's a lot of moving pieces that tend to go into something as intricate and as complicated as launching a shuttle into space and going somewhere that has zero gravity and, you know, all of the aliens. <laughs> Psalms 105, <laughs> verse 17. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph. We're going to be talking about Joseph this morning. Who was sold as a slave. Verse 18. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. And this is the good part, verse number 19, until the time came to fulfill his dreams. Let's pray this morning. Father, we love you. 
Thank you for an incredible service so far. Lord, I'm grateful to be a part of such an amazing church. Lord, we pray today that, that you would speak to us. Father, use me as a mouthpiece, not some words from Nathan, but a message from heaven. Would you encourage, would you inspire, would you strengthen your people today? In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, amen. Hey, I'm from the dirty south, okay? So here's what I'm going to need from you is a little interaction. Are we good with that? You guys can feel free to shout amen, preach it, pastor. If you even want to grab a hanky from the tissue box and wave it at me, I love that too. I forgot my sweat rag, but I might start sweating up here. Got this leather jacket on. <laughs> uh, but no, in all reality, I'm from North Carolina, and um, every time my family makes fun of me because every time I move, I move farther west. So they say... <laughs> Now, I don't plan on moving anywhere in the near future. Idaho is my home, Idaho. But they say if I do end up moving, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run out of land here pretty soon. Or Europe, maybe? Is that west? I don't Europe? I don't know. What, Hawaii. Hey, amen. That'll preach. I received that. I received that. Hey, we're going to look at the life of Joseph this morning. And um, I, I'm not going to go through and read through the whole life of Joseph. Many of you know it. But the Sparknotes version is this. Joseph was born into an amazing family. Okay, He was actually the favorite son. The Bible even says that. And um, he found himself in a world of difficulty after that. And um, so I, I just want to pull three sort of life lessons from the life of Joseph. I'm sure there's many more. I would encourage you to go and to, to read through the life of Joseph. But there are many, many more. And, um, and so number one. Feel free to write these down. Number one from the life of Joseph is learn to expect problems. Learn to expect problems. Houston, we have a problem. Um, the problems can come at any point. They could come at the launch. They could come after you've launched. They could come on the landing. They can come anytime. And I, I have, you guys have probably seen these memes that are out there that's expectation versus reality. Have you guys seen this? I have a few of them for you this morning. Ripping tape with your teeth, expectation, reality. <laughs> you guys ever done that? I, I, I feel like, I feel like, go back to the tape one. Sorry, we got, got too far ahead. Go, I feel like every time you try to rip it with your teeth, first of all, it does, it gets all over your lips and everything. And then like a week later, you find a piece of tape somehow jammed in between your teeth. Okay, and you think in your head, expectation, this is going to go great, and you end up, Getting all taped up. The next one here is for all of our parents in the house. Expectation. We had a brand new cute little baby, and we get a Tonka truck at Walmart, and this is going to be the perfect picture. And then you end up with the, the dead whale over there. <laughs> with all due respect, of course. It's cute. And then for all the ladies out there, you know, my wife is a big makeup junkie, and so she's always, you know, buying new makeup and spending money at Ulta and Mac and, you know, wherever else, but, you know, this is, this is like the expectation versus reality. I, I, that would definitely be me if I tried to put makeup on. Um, but but there's, this, there's this thing in life, you guys understand, this expectation on one side and this reality on the other side. I'm here to tell you that the distance between expectation and reality is the arena for disappointment, okay? The distance between what I expect and what really happens is the arena, that is the, the grounds, that is the gap there is where disappointment comes in, okay? 
Now, now what I'm not saying here is that we shouldn't have high expectations for things that God has promised. We should. God wants us to expect huge things. In fact, expectation is the breeding ground for miracles. Okay, expectation is what God wants you to have, high expectations for your life, high expectations for the things that God has promised you. But what I am saying is that there is a place where you can get to where you learn to, on the way to the high expectations, that you're going to have some problems on the way. Are you following me? Okay, on the way to what God has promised me, I'm probably going to have some bumps in the road. I'm probably going to have some roadblocks that I'm going to have to figure out how to go around. And while it doesn't take the disappointment and takes it completely away, it sort of lessens it because you said, oh, I saw that coming. Does that make sense? I'm not saying that we shouldn't have high expectations. In fact, I think we should. Let's jump into the life of Joseph, Genesis 27, verse 6. Turn there if you can. I'll give you a minute. Whew, I'm running out of breath, guys. <laughs> Got to do this more often. <laughs> Genesis 27, verse 6. Okay, things were good for Joseph. Remember I said the Spark Notes version. Things were good. He was launched into an amazing family. He was the favorite son. He was given the coat of many colors. Everything was good, right? Then Genesis 6. Listen to the dream that I have had. We were gathering grain in the field. My bundle of grain stood up. Your bundles of grain gathered around it and bowed down to my bundle. Verse 8. Then his brothers said to him, are you going to be our king? Are you going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for what he said. Then skipping down to verse 9, it says, then he had another dream, as if they already didn't hate him enough. Then he had another dream, and it told it to his brothers, and he said, I have had another dream. The sun and the moon and the 11 stars were bowing down to me. Okay, Joseph was given a promise from God. He was given a dream from God, and it was a pretty big dream. Okay, he was, it was, a, it was like what I like to call a leadership dream. It was a dream of leading people, of ruling people, of people bowing down before him. But he found himself in some problems. Houston, we have a problem. Genesis 27, verse 23 says, So when Joseph came to his brothers, they tore off his coat, the coat of many colors that he was wearing. They took him and they threw him into the hole. The hole was empty and had no water in it. Houston, we have a problem. 28, some Midianite traders were passing by. So the brothers pulled Joseph out of the hole and they sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 pieces of silver and they took Joseph to Egypt. See, anytime there is a delay in what God has promised, you've just entered the danger zone of your faith. Anytime there's a delay in what the fulfilling of the dream that God has given you, you've just entered the danger zone. Houston, we have a problem. I mean, can you imagine? His very, I don't know how many days it was after he was given these dreams that he found himself in a pit, but it was fairly soon after. His brothers were a little salty about his dream. Reuben was the one who was leading. There was a lot of brothers. I figured that he probably didn't know that later on, many hundreds of years later, that a sandwich would be named after him and life would be good. He was a little upset. Okay? He, they were jealous. <laughs> that, was, that was stupid. Uh, they were jealous of what God had, had given Joseph as a dream, as a promise. Anytime there is a delay in what we are believing for, we've just entered the danger zone. See, I don't think I would have put this stuff in the Bible. 
okay, if I'm God and I'm giving this amazing book to all of the Christ followers, to all of the world, millions of copies sold, I just don't know if I'm putting this in the Bible. Gee, I mean, really, you know, like how does this inspire people? What are we doing here, God? You know, I probably would have left it at David, gathered some stones in the brook. He put them in a sling. He threw them at a big hairy giant, took him down. All the world rejoices. I probably wouldn't have put that he was a murderer, that he was a cheat, that he couldn't figure things out. I, I probably would have left it at, at, at Abraham being the father of our faith, such a man full of faith. I would have left out the part that he was feeling low and slept with his concubine. Okay, I, I probably would have talked about Peter and all the things that he did as a disciple. I probably wouldn't have put the part that even though Jesus warned him that he would deny him, he still denied him three times. You know, like, what in the world? God, what are you thinking? You know what? But I am glad that God put that in the Bible because it tells you and I that no matter what we're facing, no matter what situation we find ourselves in, no matter what mess we mess things up with our lives, that God is still with us, that he still has a plan for us, that he's still going to be with us no matter what. He never fails, and he makes all things work together for good. I sure am glad he put that in there. I wouldn't have done it. Just saying. Joseph had a delay. But somehow, this great man of God found a way to keep himself pointed in the right direction, which leads me to our, my number two point, my second point. Stay pointed in the right direction. See, I, I, want, I want to just be clear with this, that, that God, God doesn't allow us to go through difficult seasons of our life to test to see if we're worthy or not. Okay, I, I really want to be clear here. God sends us, allows us to go through difficult seasons in our life to, to, to make sure that we are in the right condition to step into the next season that he has for us. Okay, you, we, you, we, you, me, we are worthy. Okay, Jesus proved that on the cross. He proved it on the cross already. You are worthy. There is nothing that your test is going to prove to God on whether you're worthy or not. All that it does is it ensures that you are in the right condition, you're the right man or woman of God, who he wants you to be to step into the next season, okay? Just want to be clear. God doesn't need, I, I, I hate this, you know, why, why, does, why do bad things happen to good people? Okay, it's not God. It's not in God's nature to cause bad things to happen. God doesn't need your loved one or your friend in heaven because he's lonely, okay? That's bad theology. There's a devil. There's an enemy of this world. I do think that God allows us to go through things, but he doesn't cause them, okay? Just want to. I want to be clear. Number two, stay pointed in the right direction. Listen, when we find ourselves in the pit, it is absolutely imperative that we stay pointed in the right direction. Here's the thing. When you find yourself in the pit, it's really easy to look down around you at all the creepy, crawly critters that are down in the pit with you trying to take you out. It's really easy to look down and realize there ain't no water in here. There ain't no food in here. The scripture even says that. It clarifies there wasn't any water in there. And in fact, the brothers had every intention of leaving him down in that pit until he died. See, see so how do we do this? How do we stay pointed in the right direction? I love this about the life of Joseph is that he only found himself in the pit after God gave him a dream. See, your dream, your promise from God 
is the very thing that's going to keep you through the pit seasons of your life if you stay pointed in the right direction. See, it's real easy to get down and look at all the, critter, all the critters down in the pit, but God's calling us to, even in the pit, to look up, to stay pointed in the right direction, stay pointed towards the light, okay? There's always light at the end of the tunnel. There's always light up above your pit that you find yourselves in. There's always a way out, but we have to stay pointed in the right direction. Are you with me, church? We have got to say, God, I don't know why I'm down here. I don't understand this, but I choose to not believe what I see. I choose to believe that you are good. I'm not going to be moved by the things that I see down here. I'm going to be moved by what I believe, and I believe that you are good. I believe that you're here with me in this pit. I believe that up above me, if I stay pointed in the right direction, that there's light up there. There's light at the end of the tunnel, and I'm going to keep trusting you. Amen. See, even after God gave Joseph a dream, can you imagine Joseph's expectations? So high. Man, I'm going to be a ruler. God, you've called me to lead thousands, if not millions of people. This is amazing. And then Reuben, angry. If only he knew about the sandwich situation. Finds, throws him in a pit, his own brother. Here's the thing. I don't always know how far I have to go, but I know how far I've come. Listen, I'm going to say that again over here. I don't know how far I have to go in the pit, but I know how far I've come. We have to keep, stay pointed in the right direction. We have to stay focused on the dream that God has given us, on the promise of God in our life. Because here's the thing. The brothers, they copped out. Now, you might not say, well, being a slave pastor, that's not all that good. It's better than dying in a pit. It's better than dying in a pit. Brothers changed their mind, and they sold them into slavery. Genesis 39. Even after God gave Joseph a dream, they found himself in a pit. Joseph, Joseph stay pointed in the right direction. Genesis 39, verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt by the Ishmaelites. Potiphar, an Egyptian leader, the head of the soldiers of Pharaoh's house, brought him, bought him from the Ishmaelites. The Lord was with Joseph. Come on, that's good. The Lord was with Joseph. And all went well with him. He was in the house of his boss, the Egyptian. Now his boss saw that the Lord was with him. He saw how the Lord made all that Joseph did go well. So Joseph found favor in his eyes and worked only for him. Potiphar made him the one to watch over his house and take care of all that he owned. Listen, I'm telling you, there is a place in the pit that you can get to where your eyes are pointed in the right direction. God will bring you out of that pit. It might be through slavery. <laughs> it might be through a different way than you had sort of expected. But I promise that God will bring you out of that pit. Joseph found himself as a slave in Egypt, but things were going well. See, if you can stay pointed in the right direction through the pit season of your life, God will launch you into your dream. Number three, the relaunch is coming. The relaunch is coming. Now, I went back and forth on this point because relaunch is kind of a weird word, so I was talking about, I was trying to get all creative with reignition or 
launch or whatever. But how many know that life is sort of about launches and relaunches? And that's, that's Joseph's life to a T. I mean, he, he had great times in his life where things were going well and he was launched into amazing things. And then all of a sudden, sort of life began to happen. The, the engines failed and he began spinning out of control down into a pit. People around him in prison, oh, let me back up. Joseph was going well th- with him, in, and we read those scriptures. Joseph found himself the head of Potiphar's house. Well, Potiphar's wife got the hots for Joseph. Joseph said, I ain't want any of that. That's drama. <laughs> and, um, and, so, <laughs> and so Joseph ticked Potiphar's wife off because, you know, he didn't want any of that. So... Potiphar's wife falsely accused Joseph to Potiphar, and Joseph found himself in prison. Now you go, I mean, what in the world, Joseph? You know, you stayed pointed in the right direction. Things were going well with you in Egypt. Everything's good. And <laughs> yet again, find yourself in prison. Turn to Genesis 41. We're going to follow this story. Chapter 41, verse 14. Um, people around Joseph in prison begin having these dreams. Now, I find it absolutely mind-blowing that still, after all of this, Joseph finds a way to stay pointed towards God even in prison. I mean, God rescued him from the pit. It seemed like everything was going well. And then, again, Joseph finds himself in prison. I mean, can you imagine the despair, the disappointment? I didn't see this going this way, God. Verse 14 Pharaoh, I'm sorry, I keep jumping ahead. Pharaoh ends up having some crazy dreams, okay? And, and he hears that Joseph has been interpreting these dreams in prison. And he says, call for Joseph. I've had these crazy dreams. They're freaking me out. Get Joseph. I need to know what these dreams mean, okay? Here we are. Verse 14, Pharaoh then called for Joseph, and they brought him out of the prison in a hurry. He cut off the hair on his face and put on clean clothes. You better look good when you're going to Pharaoh's house. Then he came to Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, Joseph, I have had a dream, but no one can tell me what it means. I've heard it said that you are able to hear a dream and tell what it means. Joseph answered, Pharaoh, not by myself. God will give Pharaoh a good answer. I mean, can you imagine the amount of, of just good attitude that Joseph still has? I mean, he ends up in prison. All these people start having dreams I mean, if anybody can be disappointed, if anybody can be angry at God, it's Joseph. And still somehow, he doesn't say, yeah, Pharaoh, I got you, man. I'll I'll take care of your dreams. I mean, can you imagine? He says, God, God will answer. See, what we don't always see is that in the prison or pit seasons of our lives, things begin to heat up. The pressure begins to build. Okay, you're, you're spinning. Your rocket is, is spinning out of control. You're in a free fall. Life is swirling and spiraling out of control around you. You're filled with pressure. The heat is getting turned up. It's that very heat and that very pressure that if you can stay pointed in the right direction will launch you into what God has for you next. It's that very prison pit despair season of your life that if handled correctly, if stayed pointed in the right direction, it will launch you into what God has for you next, into the promises of God, into the dreams of God. But what was intended to launch you into the next season of your life, if you do not stay pointed in the right direction, it'll launch you deeper into the pit. 
It's all in what direction you stay pointed. When you face difficulty, when you face problems, when you face the the fact that your expectations are up here and somehow you ended up with a reality that's down here, if you can stay pointed in the right direction, looking towards the light, looking towards the source of your dreams, the source of your promises, the source of what God has called you to be, that fire, that pressure, that, that heat that begins to turn up in your life will be the very heat and pressure that launches you into the next season, into your dream, into your promises. I was going to launch this thing off at that point, but I got a little nervous. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> See, there, there's a place where you can stand in the pit season of your life. You can stand in the prison season of your life, and you say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm staying pointed in the right direction because I know a relaunch is coming. I know that you're going to relaunch me into the next season of my life, and I trust you. I see you. I know you, that you are there, that you have plans for good for my life. And all of a sudden, God launches you. See, as somebody comes to the keyboard this morning, my family and I have lived this season over the last six years of my life, of our lives. Many of you know this, but we found ourselves, I'm not going to cry. We found ourselves for six years wanting nothing more in our life than to be a parent of a second child. And for those of you in the room, I'm sure there's many. It's a, it's a very common and a very underappreciated, that's not the right word, but an underrealized challenge. But for everybody who's faced infertility issues, it's the most heartbreaking most challenging thing that emotionally you can go through as parents. Amen. Well, two months ago, after six years of miscarriages, we even had someone on a, on a, on a totally out-of-the-blue moment that contacted us and said, hey, would you like to adopt a baby? This was probably, I don't know, a year and a half, two years ago. And we hadn't thought about adoption at all. And we said, wow, maybe this is God. And You know, sometimes God does things like that. They're just so out of the blue and so, you know, so just unexpected. But I, we prayed about it and we said, you know, we, we feel like this is, this is God. We're going to adopt this little baby boy. And a um, couple couple of weeks went by, we spent thousands of dollars to get our home study done and to get lawyers involved and and this is after six years of trying to have a baby and and infertility doctors and you know everything you can imagine and it ended up this adoption fell through for some twisted reason. this lady was just completely lying and and leading us along on this you know whatever journey for some sick enjoyment or i don 't know. But you're just like, God, like, God, what are you doing? We've been there just in a pit prison season of your life where, I mean, Joseph, how does this make sense? God, I've stayed pointed in the right direction. I've kept my eyes on you. I've kept my hands in the air. I've kept my, my, my eyes on the light, and I know that you're good. I've trusted you. I've served you. Why is this happening? 
two months ago, we gave birth to little Lennon. She's on the front row. Yeah. Thank you, God. Lennon, her middle name is Alina. Lennon Alina, and it means lover of light. Because through that season of my life, of our lives, we learned to love the light. To somehow keep our eyes on the right direction, on the light. To somehow in that pit, in that prison, to stay pointed in the right direction. So I want to ask you this morning, there's probably two types of people in the room. Maybe you're here and, and you find yourselves in a pit prison season of your life where the heartache and the disappointment is so absolutely real and, and absolutely devastating to you. I want to read that, that scripture, Psalms 105, just one more time. It says, then he sent someone to Egypt. God's with you. Joseph, who was sold as a slave, they bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar. Verse number 19, this is what you've got to hold on to this morning. Until the time came to fulfill his dreams. Listen, that time came. The end of the story for Joseph is that Pharaoh brought him out of the prison. He interpreted the dreams and absolutely blew Pharaoh's mind. Pharaoh promoted him, and he was the second in command for Egypt for 80 years. His dreams came true. Listen, the scriptures say that the promises of God are yes and amen. God is saying yes. His timing, his method, his way of going about fulfilling that dream may be different than you expected, but one day you will look back and you will say, amen. I see it. I see that you were turning up the heat in my life. I see that you were building some pressure to launch me into the next thing that God has for me. I see that you made me a better man. I see that you made me a better woman. I see that that very pit, that very prison, that very heartache, that very disappointment was the very thing that shaped me into leadership, into inspiring thousands, into whatever your dream is. And I want to encourage you this morning that if you don't have a God-given dream that is bigger than you can possibly imagine, grab a hold of God and get one. Grab a hold of God, whether it's in your car, whether it's down here at this altar during worship, wherever it is that you, that you hear from God, get yourself a God-given dream. He wants to give you one. He has a plan for your life. He has a promise for your life. He has a way out of that pit. He has a way out of that prison. Just stay pointed in the right direction. See, what was intended to be the heat and the pressure that launches you into the next season of your life, if pointed in the right direction, can be what, what launches you deeper into the pit if you point in the wrong, wrong direction. Listen, we see it all the time. People's lives begin to, to spiral out of control, and they sit down at my desk and they say, Pastor Nathan, my wife left me. My, my kids are, are, are spiraling out of control. I need to step away from ministry. And I say, listen, 
whatever you do, stay pointed in the right direction. And unfortunately, many times those people fall away from church. They fall away from the Lord and they begin to spiral and they point in the right in the wrong direction and they get launched deeper into the pit. The key this morning is to stay pointed towards the light. Keep your eyes on that dream. Keep your eyes on the light and it will change. The second group of people here this morning is, is maybe those who are here and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. Listen, after facing such heartache and disappointment in my life, I can't possibly imagine how people go through difficult seasons without Jesus. I don't understand how you can go through the heartbreak and the disappointment in life that it can bring without a hope, without a dream, without a promise of God, without a, an assurance that Jesus, that God is with you. And so I want to pray for you this morning with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you're here this morning and you haven't made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want to tell you this morning that there's a better way. There's a way that even though, I'm not saying you're not going to face difficulty, I'm not saying you're not going to face challenges and roadblocks in your life, but what I am saying is that when you do, you have a Savior who has given you a purpose. He's given you a way out of that pit. He's given you a way out of prison. He's given you a way to keep your eyes on him, to stay pointed towards him, and he will rescue you. And so if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Nathan, I, I want to I consecrate my life to Christ. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to do anything. I just want you with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you right now to lift up your hand. Say, Pastor, I want to make Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I'm tired of going through things without you. I'm tired of the heartache of life. I'm tired of disappointment that I face. I want a better way. I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Thank you. Come on, let's give these people a hand this morning, church. Amen. I'm telling you, that's the best decision that you will ever make. Hallelujah. And so I want to lead you in just a simple prayer. We're all going to say it together. Come on, everybody out loud, say, Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I am a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness. I believe you died for my sins, and I believe you rose from the dead. I turn from my sins, and I invite you to come into my heart. I want to trust you and follow you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, come on. And everybody said amen. Come on, let's give him a hand one more time this morning. Amen. Amen. I, I, I want to close by just praying. Is that all right? I want to pray for anybody here that's just facing a pit prison season of your life. I want you to know that, that God sees you. That even though you may not hear the voice of God, and even though it might be dark, listen, focus on how far you've come, not on how far you have to go. I don't know how far you have to go in your pit. It might be six months. It might be six years. But I know there's light at the end of the tunnel. And I, I have a baby that you can come up here and touch and see. Maybe don't touch. Mom gets a little nervous about that. I have a baby that you can come up here and see that is proof that the dreams that God has placed inside of you will come true in time. 
Can we just lift our hands this morning if you're comfortable? We just lift our hands as a sign of surrender. We're saying, God, I don't know why I'm in this pit. I don't know why I'm in this prison, but I surrender. I trust you. So, Father, I pray this morning that you would strengthen your people. Father, where there is disappointment, where there is heartache and heartbreak and pain, Father, I pray that you would be our comforter, that you would be a refuge like no other, our tower of strength. Lord, we run to the shelter of your wings. Father, this morning, would you wrap every single one of us in your arms? Would you love on us today? Lord, I pray that if there's people here this morning that haven't been given a God-given dream, I pray that in their sleep, in their ride into work tomorrow, here in worship at church, I pray that you would give them a dream, a dream that can't be accomplished without you. And Father, I pray that you would help us to in the pit seasons of our life, in the prison seasons of our life, that you would help us to keep our eyes on our dream. Help us keep our eyes on you not on the things that are going on around us, not in the pit below our feet, Father, but on you, the author, the finisher of our faith, the light of the world. And so today, we surrender. We lift our hands to you and we say, we don't have it all figured out, but you do. And we trust you. We know that you are good. We know that you are faithful. And we love you and we worship you. In Jesus' name, and everybody shouted, Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand this morning.